Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jay Forsess, superintendent of the Western Conference, most recently also administrator of the Closed Down Beartooth Christian Camp. And I want to start out today by apologizing for so many people who have not yet received their refunds. Uh, I've authorized over $100,000 of refunds to go out. And in the process, my volunteer bookkeeper had an emergency in her family and was called away for the past several weeks. And so just know you're in the stack for her to refund that when the time is right. Before COVID, we were 29 churches, two camps, and a Bible college. After COVID, we will not be the same. In fact, uh, Beartooth Shuttering, our camp in North Dakota, has been shuttered. We'll do complete restarts. Arrowhead Bible College will not survive. I don't see there being an Arrowhead Bible College in the future. And so things are going to look different. And they're looking different throughout our 8,000 people who are attending our Western Conference churches. Uh, these are crazy, interesting, wild days. Very inconsistent days, by the way. It drives me a little bit crazy when the county says we cannot host camp at Beartooth, but this weekend 10,000 people gathered in Columbus for the hill climb. So I just don't understand the, the disconnect there and why some is allowed and others are not. My sweet wife, Lisa, is here with us today. And would you be so kind to welcome Lisa here? Two feet outside that door, our bird dog is in the kennel. Our camper's parked right there. We're leaving from this service, going down the boulder or up the boulder, and are going to go camping for a week. So we're really looking forward to, to getting away. Unless it's not raining, then we'll come to your picnic. We live in Columbus. Some of you uh, don't like that word. But uh, I noticed this year I did not wear any green because uh, actually your teams have been a lot better than ours lately. But there's, there's been a thing during this COVID that there's been a contest for mascots in Montana. And then it turned into a national contest. But they picked the eight greatest mascots in Montana and the sheep herders made the final eight which is pretty cool, isn't it? Then they decided they were going to go down to the final two. And so they had these little contests and the sheep herders beat the Laurel Locos in one contest for the best mascot. And then the sheep herders went on from there and beat the Belfry Bats, which is kind of good. I didn't even know Belfry had a high school, but you beat the Belfry Bats. You then went up against one that I had not heard of very much before, the Chinook Sugar Beaters, which instills fear into the hearts of their opponents, being a sugar beater, I guess. But the sugar beaters actually narrowly beat the sheep herders, which is kind of a bummer. But it's surprising to me, the Glasgow Scotties, that ferocious little cartoon puppy dog, then beat the Chinook Sugar Beaters, and the Glasgow Scotties won the state title. So I have no idea what that has to do with the sermon today, but it's kind of fun, <laughs> kind of fun to think about. Been superintendent for three years. First time I came and preached here, I preached on why church. Second time I preached here in year number two, 
I preached on what does it mean to believe. I came here this past January and preached on bioethics and the sanctity of human life. Today we're going to go with the deepest topic so far. And you're going to have to engage mentally. This is going to stretch you theologically. But it's going to be a challenge for you to think about personally as to what I'm going to lay out in front of you today. My wife has heard this sermon so many times that I'm surprising her during this sermon and will completely change the illustrations. I'll be mixing the story of Peter throughout 13 questions, a baker's dozen, 13 questions about holiness and sanctification. So get ready. Uh, this is going to be fairly deep. Holiness and sanctification. We are part of the evangelical church. It's a tiny denomination. Only 108 churches in America. Mainly followed a German migration across the northern part of the United States. It used to be called Evangelical United Brethren. Only 108 churches. But worldwide, we have more churches, 250 in Bolivia, a bunch in Liberia, India, Japan, Fiji. We're, we're in what's called the holiness movement. Started by John Wesley in the 1800s. Uh, uh, Phoebe Palmer was another gal who was part of it. And Holiness movement. Many people don't know what the holiness movement is of the church that you're sitting in. I can just give you this illustration. When I grew up, I grew up in a different denomination who had something called catechism uh, or something else that 13-year-olds go in. Other churches have different names for it. But uh, at 13-year-old, they would teach the kids about the walk in the faith, and then they would typically baptize the kids, whether they liked it or not. And I didn't like it or not. Uh, they baptized me whether I wanted to or not. Uh, we went through it and we were all done. I thought that was the end of my Christian journey. I thought we had done it, finished, move on with life, we're done. Holiness is not that. Holiness is this. We're saved. Then God sets us apart because he has a purpose and a plan that he wants to accomplish through us. I love seeing the young people here today. Do not believe the lie that when you become a Christian, life becomes easy and perfect. That's not the way God designed it. He saves us and he does miraculous work. But he then sets us apart because he wants to do something through us. Like the Apostle Peter, who he saved. He then said to Peter, come follow me. And Peter started the adventure of biblical proportions. That was anything but easy. As God had set him apart to achieve godly purposes. You have been set apart if you've been saved. Literally, you've been made holy by God for His purposes and His reasons. Holiness is in the Bible 600 times. 
Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Doesn't mean you're not saved, but continue to work it out with fear and trembling because God's got a plan for you as he sets you apart. And then the scripture goes on to say, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to fulfill his good purpose. When I became a Christian as a junior in high school, I did not know what God's purposes for my life would be. I did not know that I would be a pastor, a superintendent. I had no idea that I'd be managing the camp someday. But he had saved me and set me apart for his godly purposes. But I can tell you, after I was saved, the journey did not end. In fact, he wanted me to grow and mature from where I was at. You see, grace costs me nothing. But discipleship costs everything. And I was no longer the person I was before I was saved. I was a new creation. But he wanted me to mature and to change and to be transformed in his plans and purposes for my life. I'm telling you, if you've been a Christian for 30 years, but you're no different today than you were 30 years ago when you accepted Christ, there is a major problem. If you are saved and comfortable and content, that would not go in line with the life of Peter, who gave up everything to follow Jesus not only as Savior, but also as Lord. Not just to take Jesus for his get out of hell free card, but to actually follow him to fulfill his purposes and bring him glory. Are you walking in holiness? You're saved and set apart for godly purposes. Now, did Jesus mention holiness? He actually did. In my Bible, red letters. Say, be holy, for I am holy, 11 times. Be holy, saved, and set apart, because Jesus is holy. You can't make yourself holy, though. Uh, You might think you're holier than thou, but you're not. And you can't make yourself holy. Why is holiness important, then? Well, Hebrews 12, 14 says... Without holiness, we will not see the Lord. That's powerful. We're to walk in holiness. Saved, then set apart for godly purposes. Not for our own glory. Not for our own will. But for God's will be done. Now, distinction, though, of our denomination is something we call sanctification. If you're in an Assembly of God church, a distinctive would be speaking in tongues. If you're in a Baptist church, it would be baptism by immersion and the five points of Calvinism. In a Wesleyan-Arminian denomination like ours, a distinctive is sanctification that goes hand-in-hand with holiness. We've been saved set apart, and we are to be sanctified. 
Now, some of you have, have already lost, uh, said that deep phrase like that. Uh, usually theologians would go into sanctification and justification and consecration. I'm not that smart. I can't get into all that. All I can tell you is we've been saved. We've been set apart. And God wants to cleanse us. That's what sanctification is. Cleansing. When I became a Christian, God cleansed me instantly of my foul mouth. He did not cleanse me instantly of my pornography addiction, my anger issues, and my inner selfish pride. But he wanted me to be free of those. Just like he wants all of us to be cleansed and free of the dregs in our life. We're going to heaven. We're saved. But he wants to set us apart and work his plan through us. And he doesn't continually work through our sinful lives. He wants us to be free of that sinful nature so that he can achieve in us everything he wants us to achieve. Sanctification is being cleansed through and through even down to the root of our sinful nature. Are you being sanctified? It doesn't mean you won't sin anymore. That's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He wants to cleanse us, our hearts, our minds, Because that's his plan. And so he heals me of my cursing literally the day I accepted Christ. He even healed me of thinking in cuss words on that day. Now that's a miracle. I've talked to people who were alcohol addicted, who came to know Christ, and on that day, had not even a craving anymore for alcohol. That's miraculous sanctification. I will be honest though. There are other people who have been saved and still struggle with the addiction of alcohol or the addiction of pornography or the addiction of something else or a sin issue of jealousy or pride or or gossip or whatever everybody's issue is. God gets to decide what is worked on when. He decides when and how we're sanctified. We can't sanctify ourselves. We cannot cleanse ourselves. Only God can sanctify. But sanctify, he does. And saying, oh, I'll just struggle with that for the rest of my life. I'll just sin and I'll confess and go sin and then I'll confess... God wants to break the chains of that cycle. He can and he does. But how he does that is totally up to him. John 17, Jesus prays, sanctify them according to your truth. So they are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to Christ. I preached this message in Southside of Billings at our Living Water Church. Somebody came up to me after the service. They told me their issue of choice. 
that they were sure God was never going to take care of. And I said, are you sure of that? You see, God indwelt you with His Holy Spirit when you got saved. You're literally a temple for His Holy Spirit. Why would you think God is going to allow you to continue to have that drag in your life? He wants you to be free of that. And He paid the price on the cross so you could be free of that. I later followed up with that guy who said God had done a miracle and through God's grace had literally wiped the slate clean in such a way that this gentleman no longer willfully went against God's plan. He didn't have a premeditated desire to sin in that way anymore against God. That's sanctification. And God does it all the time. Why is sanctification important? 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, it is God's will you be sanctified. It's God's will you be cleansed. That you be blameless. God loved us enough to accept us as we were. And then he loved us enough not to leave us there. But unfortunately, it's been estimated over 50% of people sitting in American pews today have no intention of being sanctified and growing and maturing in Christ. It's a travesty because God's in the transformation change business. He's in the miracle business to this day. And He has a plan for our lives that is even greater than we can imagine. There's something called initial sanctification. Initial sanctification is salvation. And it's paramount. There's something called ultimate sanctification. What's ultimate sanctification? That's called heaven. Blameless, the day he calls you home. But there's this journey between initial and ultimate sanctification that Peter always found himself in. You know, impulsive Peter? First one to talk, Peter? First one to jump out of the boat, Peter? Lord, can I come to you on the water? If it's it's you, let me come to you on the water. Walking on the water, Peter. And then losing faith, Peter, as he sinks in the water. Peter, the one who's a fisherman, who fishes on one side of the boat and doesn't catch squat. Lord says, fish on the other side. He fishes on the other side, and that won't even hold them all. Peter, the one who the Lord says to, who do you think I am? You are the Christ. Yeah, you're right, Peter. And I'm going to change your name. used to be called Cephas or whatever. Now you're going to be Peter the Rock. Because on this rock, I'm going to build my church. 
But God wasn't done with Peter. Peter had some cleansing that he needed to go through, like silver that needed to be purified so that God could achieve even further his promises through Peter. You know, Peter, the one who said, I'll never deny you. God said, oh, just wait. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. No, not me. Even unto death, I won't deny you. God had to refine him. Is God refining you? Is he cleansing you? Are you even open to God's cleansing, purifying, sanctifying work in your life? I can tell you that in my journey, sanctification was more difficult to walk through than even salvation. It was easy to take God as Savior. Much more difficult to take God as my Lord through His Son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 gives this journey of what's between initial sanctification and ultimate sanctification. The journey is this. We were dead. We were disobedient, gratifying our own flesh. That sounds exactly like me before Christ. We were deserving of God's wrath. But merciful God made us alive and saved us by His grace. Yes, He did. And then He made us into His handiwork. What a great word. I've heard your pastor, Brian, say that word to you before. When I watch some of his sermons online during this process, he keeps reminding you, you are God's handiwork. He's working in you. He's cleansing you. He's purifying you. And the scripture goes on to say, we're being built together by God as a dwelling for His Holy Spirit. Sanctification. Cleansing. Some people shake their hands and go, I had no idea what you're talking about. Sanctification Holiness. Evidently, God has an even greater plan for our lives than we can even imagine. But it's going to take a prerequisite for us to see His sanctifying work in our life. What is the prerequisite? Cooperation. We have to cooperate with God's Holy Spirit. As three times we're told in the New Testament to deny ourselves, take up our, our crosses daily, and follow Jesus. We have to obey. So, of course, Jesus gets crucified. Peter runs away, denies him three times, actually knows exactly what he has done. Jesus is resurrected, appears to over 500 people on planet earth, including to Peter. And in one point, Jesus has this conversation with Peter. Peter, do you really love me? 
Peter's like, you know I do, God. As if to say, Jesus was saying to Peter, cooperate then, feed my sheep. Jesus asked him again, do you really love me? Oh, you know I do, Lord. And take care of my lambs. And then the crushing happens. Jesus asks him a third time, now do you love me? And Peter's like, I do. Then you're going to have to take care of my people. Tozer says, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly unless he has hurt him deeply. And I could just see the hurt on Peter's face. Chuck Swindoll says, when God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible person and then he crushes him. And that's when the cleansing can occur. Because after being crushed by God, it is then that we can literally be refined and remade. And I have found that times in my life when things are the hardest, when I have been crushed the most, is when God is sanctifying and cleansing the most at the same time. If I fight him on it, the process takes longer. If I cooperate with his cleansing, it seems to shorten. We're either coming out of a cleansing or going into a cleansing because God is always cleansing his people. Are you being transformed? Are you being sanctified? I was in 46 different churches last year, attended Sunday school classes where people have been sitting in a Sunday school class for over four decades. And they look exactly the same today. They talk the same. They think the same. They act the same as they did 40 years ago when they started going to that Sunday school class. And it's a travesty. Because we're supposed to mature. And we're supposed to grow. And it's God who does that if we will just cooperate and denounce ourselves and get out of our comfortable shells and follow after Him. Literally, sanctification is when we totally empty ourselves and follow after Jesus as Lord. In a Nazarene church I was in one time, they counted the number of people who had been sanctified as with the number of people who came forward and prayed at the altar. Christians who had come forward to ask God to help them with a difficult issue in their life. Most churches don't have altars anymore. But many churches will give a chance for people to respond and talk to God right where they're at and take care of business between them and God. And I will give an opportunity like that in just a little bit today.
But I can tell you sanctification is a lifelong process where we are being continually transformed. And as soon as we think we've arrived, God will have another lesson for us. My son, addicted to drugs, put our family through the most brutal time in our lives. And I wanted God to sanctify him. But came to find out God wanted to sanctify me. And the anger issues that were deeply rooted in my heart and life, that went way back to my childhood, God wanted to root out of there and crush for good. And God has shown me through my son's difficulties that those issues had no place in a growing Christian, no place in a indwelling of the Holy Spirit, no place in a person who is totally surrendered to Christ. And so God began to sanctify me of those anger issues. And he showed me a term that I think is a better word for sanctification that I hope you never forget. Another word for sanctification, one that is now my new favorite, is a word called Christ-likeness. We're to continually to grow and be more like Christ. We don't get to stay as we were or as we are. He wants us to be more like Him, full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you growing in Christ-likeness? I can tell you that at the end of Peter's life, the Scripture says that even his shadow falling, falling across people healed them. That God was working in such a way, had cleansed Peter in such a way, that he had amazing purposes for Peter's life that even a shadow falling across a sick person can make them well in Jesus' name. Are you a Christian who's stuck in the muck? Is God doing something in you right now that is an intense battle deep inside of you? Is he trying to set you apart for a greater plan? And in doing so, he's trying to root out some deep-seated issues in your life. If so, cooperate. Be willing to totally empty yourself. And do not willfully, premeditated, go against His plan for your life. There are some people who believe in entire sanctification. Entire sanctification. I think it's somewhat mysterious. I'll be honest with you, I am more of a middle way sanctification person. 
who believes that God is working it out on this journey. Other people who are much smarter than me believe in an early way where God at one moment entirely breaks and crushes that sinful nature inside of a person. Others believe in the end way when God does that the day he calls us home to heaven. I don't know where you stand early, middle, end. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is that we are continually sanctified. And it's mysterious when and how God does it, but He does it because that's what He does. We are His image bearers. Why would He allow us to be continually dogged by a sin issue? Dragged down repeatedly. We're his image bearers. We're growing in his Christ-likeness so that he can get glory for his purposes and his plan. So I know there is entire sanctification. Some call it Christian perfection. I personally think that's humanly problematic, Christian perfection. But with God, all things are possible. And I do believe the scripture of Philippians 1.6. It says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He who began a good work in you, who saved you, who is setting you apart, he will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We have been sanctified if we've been saved. We are being sanctified because that's what God does. And we will be sanctified through and through the day he calls us home. But I ask you again, are you willing Go ahead and bow your heads. Spend a moment with God right where you're at. Respond to anything He is saying to you today. And say yes if He's asking you to do something. Hello, God. It's us, your kids. Big Timber, Montana. Looking up to you and asking that you would continue to work mightily. That you would sanctify us so that we could go out and achieve your purposes. Lord, there are folks here today that need to be cleansed. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness, anger, pride, jealousy. Maybe they have a 
addictive sin issue that on their own power they can't overcome. Lord, I'm praying that this hour we spent together this morning would not be wasted time. That if you had something in store for somebody here today, Lord, I pray that you would carry it on to completion. I thank you, Lord, for how you're remaking us and rebuilding us into your image. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do so till the day you call us home. And may we break the tape at the end of the race like Peter did, proclaiming your name unto his final breath. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.